Tonight's lovely reading is from John chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing for no one could perform the signs you were, are doing if God were not with them. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born where they are old? Nicodemus asked, Surely they cannot en- enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. The second reading comes from John chapter 15, verse 4 to 11. Remain in me, so as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, I in you. You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. That was a bit of fun. Thanks, Sam. So... Good evening, everyone. Uh, We're currently in our second week of our Spiritual Vitality series, and um, if you remember Larry's sermon from a few weeks ago now, he shared with us um, on the idea of prayer, and um, I'm moving on to the idea of the three R's, reading, writing, and reflecting. Um, I admit I was a little bit confused when Larry gave me this topic. Um, He pulled me into his office and assured me it was some sort of normal three R thing. Uh, it was when I Googled it and found out that it was reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's the normal one that this kind of feels a little bit more normal, right? It actually feels pretty good because we've got at least two R's. So we're kind of going for like a capital R here and we'll just go with it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty fancy. <laughs> Took a while. Um, so as I was thinking about what do I actually share with you guys tonight, um, I started thinking like this is a kind of a simple three-point sermon, right? I talk about reading, then I talk about writing, I talk about reflecting, but... As I was thinking, reading and writing are kind of a type of reflection. So as I was thinking about reflection, I was thinking, why is it important? Is it a practice that Christians should in, be involved in? Why, why is it something that you guys should do? And for me, I was thinking that it's actually a kind of countercultural idea reflection. We live in a really fast-paced world that values 
achievement, gaining security, maximizing your enjoyment. And at face value, reflection doesn't really give us any of these things. It seems to offer very little short-term instant reward. Consumerism might tell us that reflection is a waste of your time, but I want us to think about reflection as not getting something, but slowing down and focusing on what really matters. Maybe, uh, well, I said maybe you're young and haven't learned this before, but you guys are kind of my age. Um, I'm learning more and more as I'm experiencing life that the parable of the tortoise and the hare is really real. To go fast in life, we need to go slow sometimes. We need to think about what's important. We need to invest our time wisely into things rather than rushing about and just completing the next thing. Trying to achieve too many things will actually get us nowhere. So I want to say that today is about staying connected to the source of life. I want to say that that is the most important thing you can do with your life. And I've written this sermon in kind of two big parts with two big reflective questions for us to be thinking about. Um, The first one kind of forms the foundation for the Christian life, and the second one sets us up for where we're going. I think these questions need to be revisited often, and I'll, I'll give them to you here. The first one is, have you experienced the miracle of being born again? Have you decided that you want your life plugged into the source of life? Because I grew up in a church and I heard all about these ideas of new life, being born again, yada yada. And I thought it was something that happened to me a long time ago and never really thought about what it actually means. Today, I want us to slow down and think about it. Because if you've experienced being born again, it is an absolute miracle that you should found your entire life on. It should change everything. And if you're not sure if you've been born again, this passage in John, I think you should resonate with really well. But whatever the case, we're going to explore it because it is at the foundation of what it means to be a Christian. Cool, and the second question is is kind of a direction purpose question. How are you connecting to the source of life? I've called this thriving, not just surviving, because I think I often get distracted in life. Things get stressful, and I kind of just start doing the next thing that comes along. I kind of just focus on surviving rather than actually slowing down and realizing that I can be connected to the source of life. And my expectation is that as we engage with these questions, as you guys engage with these questions more, they actually have the potential to change your life. I think they're questions that I need to come back to every single day sometimes. And we're only going to touch on them real quickly today because we don't have that much time, but I hope it's something that maybe sparks for you. Because reflection is an opportunity to develop spiritual vitality. Cool, so with that introduction, we're going to jump into how reading, writing, and reflecting are exciting, incredible opportunities to meet with God. And we're going to dive into the passages that we just read earlier. I'm going to share a little bit of my experience, and I hope that right now you'll stop and pray with me. Lord God, creator of existence, the giver of life itself, I just want to praise you for how good you are. First, I want to pray that if anyone here hasn't experienced spiritual rebirth, that something will trigger today, that we'll see something beautiful in you and want it. 
Because as Jesus said, unless one is born of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And I really don't want anyone to miss out on that. God, help us to understand what it means to experience new birth and how to be spiritually alive in you. Help us to reflect on who we are as Christians, that our primary calling above all other things is to be connected with you. Meet with us right now, Holy Spirit. Help us to hold fast to what is good and to let go of what isn't. Amen. Beautiful. So we're going to jump into question one. Have you experienced the miracle of being born again? And we're going to go straight to John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs unless God is with him. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? First, I want to say that we often give the Pharisees a really hard time. They're often kind of like that goofy character in the story that has no idea what's really going on, and we don't want to be like the Pharisees. There's actually something beautiful going on here, though. Nicodemus is actually a really cool character. He pops up three times in John's Gospel, and this is the first time we see him. And in verse 2, Nicodemus has clued onto something incredible. He says, we know that you are a teacher come from God because no one can do these signs unless God is with him. Nicodemus sees something beautiful in Jesus and goes to him, engages with him. And the second time that we see Nicodemus, he's kind of in his ruler of the Jews kind of mode and he's defending Jesus and making sure that he has a fair trial. It's only another little piece of the puzzle, but the third time we see him, it's just after Jesus has died, and he brings 33 kilograms of aloes and myrrh to embalm Jesus' body. Commentators in this passage call it a royal burial. He sacrifices 33 kilograms. Nicodemus is on a journey. Something about him comes alive in this journey. I think he's a really good example to follow in a lot of ways. Because even though he's a ruler of the Jews, even though he probably should know better than to ask a silly question like this, something that might feel awkward, he humbles himself, comes to Jesus, and is willing to ask. He engages. So it doesn't matter right now if you think you should know better. If you think you know what's going on here, humble yourself. Engage, ask questions, because that is the way that we actually engage with reflection. Because Jesus is full of wildly countercultural stuff, and if you're not willing to ask questions, then you're probably not engaging with him. So we see here that Nicodemus asks the question, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus says a lot in this next passage. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I'm jumping ahead. And it would have felt like a dumb question, and maybe you can resonate with him, and actually be saying, what is he talking about? So next passage. Jesus says a lot in this passage, but we're only going to focus on one idea, but we'll just go through it. Jesus answers, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. The main idea that Jesus is saying here is in every single sentence. In one way or another, he says, born of the spirit, born of the spirit, born again, born of the spirit. He wants Nicodemus to know it's all about being born of the Spirit. That is the foundational idea that he really wants Nicodemus to catch on to. And because Jesus says, unless you have been born of the Spirit, you will not enter the kingdom of God. That should scare you. It's terrifying. So let's quickly jump over to Ephesians 2 because I want to look at what this actually means. So Ephesians 2, I'm sure you're very familiar with it. Um, in chapter 1, Paul actually says this is to the saints that are in Ephesus. <coughs> Excuse me. He says to the saints that are in Ephesus. He's talking to the Christians there. And he says, You were once dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, Carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is scary, and this is full on. And I want to sit in this for a second because we need to know who we are without God. Without God, we are actually dead, stuck, hopeless. Dead people can't save themselves in any way. Paul is saying that we are dead without God. And if you know this passage well, you know the next bit that's coming. He says, but, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. I want to stop and sit with this for a moment because this is the foundation of your spiritual life. Do you actually believe this passage? Do you really believe it? Because if you believe it, it should bring you crazy, overwhelming joy. It should be the most exciting thing that you ever read, to know that you were once dead, but God has made you alive. That is exciting. And maybe you're sitting there and saying, yeah, I've once felt the joy of that, but I don't know if I feel it right now. I don't know if I feel that anymore. Maybe you're saying, yeah, I think that that's true in my head, but I don't know if it's going much further than that. I'll be living out in my life. And maybe you're sitting there and you're not sure if you're still dead or not. I mentioned Nicodemus earlier because we can be like Nicodemus and that's okay. We're allowed to be on a journey, working this stuff out. But the worst thing you can do is to sit there and ignore this. To think, okay, that might happen to other people, but that probably doesn't happen to me. Joy is something that should happen when this is true. And I want us to know that we just read from John 3, and I'm sure the most famous verse of the Bible, most of you could quote it with me. Sorry. John 3.16 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is the offer for you. Thank you. Bring me water. (coughs) So sweet. Oh, so much better. Thank you. This is the offer for you. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So I just want to stop here and pray for a moment. God, for each and every one of us, no matter where we're at in this journey, I pray that you will meet with us right now. For those of us that are sitting here feeling dead, I just want to ask for new life. That we know we can't do this without you and we're tired of going against you. Thank you that Jesus came to give new eternal life to whoever would believe. For those of us in the room that aren't sure if we've been born again, help us to reflect, give us clarity. Thank you that Jesus came to give new eternal life to whoever would believe. And God, for those of us that have experienced new birth, And God, for those of us that have experienced new birth, restore to us the joy of our salvation. Today, again, help us to know how incredible this miracle is. That we were once dead, but we've been made alive in you. Give us a deeper understanding of what this means. Thank you that Jesus came to give new eternal life to whoever would believe. Amen. I say all this because I want you guys to be founded knowing that the miraculous grace that God offers, that in Jesus you can go from death to life, is available to you. It should be the thing that we reflect on most, daily. And it's the beginning of our spiritual life. Sorry about my voice, guys. I've got two glasses of water here now. So, question two. How are you connecting to the source of life? Um, Maybe telling you this story will show a little bit of my immaturity, and that's okay. Um, I'm willing to go there with you guys. Um, Alana and I have been having a pretty rough season of life in a lot of ways. It's pretty challenging. Um, For those of you that don't know, Alana's a social worker, and... Oh, man. (coughs) Sorry, this is getting old. Um... For those of you that don't know, Alana's a social worker and works with families that are basically one step away from their kids being taken out of their homes. The step before facts say that you're actually not treating your kids well enough for them to be living with you. Alana goes into the homes and therapeutically loves the families and empowers them and, and treats them how to take care of their kids better. I'm sure you can understand that that is really hard. It's a really challenging and energy-consuming space. And... Um, on the other side, obviously, um, I've just started a, a new job and I'm still studying and um, often the hours that I'm doing this stuff is the hours that Alana's free and we're definitely still working out how to do this marriage thing and, and life's pretty stressful. I'm sure that you can relate in your own way. Life gets pretty stressful. It gets pretty busy. There's a lot of different things asking for your time. The lesson that we're both learning is that every single yes that we say to anything is always saying no to another thing. Time is a really limited resource. 
You need to pick the things that are important. I'm learning that I can't be everything. I can't be the kindest, the smartest, the best looking, the fastest, the richest, the funniest, but I can focus on a few things. So I beg to ask the question, what is the most important thing? What is the most important thing in your life? Because that's what you're going to give your time to. I read um, Luke 5 the other day, and it really surprised me. You can read it while I drink. (coughs) Sorry. Great crowd. Oh, that last sentence. Great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. I look at this passage and I think, what the heck is Jesus doing? He's just healed this leper. Everyone's seen it and they're amazed. They're like, whoa, what is going on? I want that. They're flocking to him, ready to hear what he has to say. And he withdraws to a desolate place and prays. I, at face value, think, what are you doing, Jesus? This is crazy. But I think he's teaching us a lesson. I think he's telling us that saying no to saying yes to some things means saying no to other things the enemy of the best thing is often a good thing he's telling us to focus on what is the most important thing in life my challenge is to not get caught up in good things that i miss doing the most important thing and jesus is saying that the most important thing is reconnecting to the father so here's my question again How are you connecting to the source of life? So we're just going to walk through the um, first half of John chapter 15. It's all here. You've heard it before. I'm sure many of you guys have heard this preached to you many times before, but again, I want you to sit there and think how foolish it is to think that a branch, a vine can grow unless it is connected to the tree. I am the true vine, abide in me. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Our series is on spiritual vitality and you need to know, you need to remember that unless a vine is connected to a tree, it will not grow, it will not survive. Unless you are connected to the source of life, you will not grow, you will not survive. You will bear fruit if you're connected. You will have joy if you are connected. Jesus says it so plainly. In my mind, the new birth is like being a branch that somehow disconnected myself from the vine. But Jesus has picked me up and reconnected me to this place that I belong. But I forget this incredible miracle. I just get caught up in other things. 
Reflection is about stopping and remembering. So I've got some questions here that hopefully might help us reflect on this. And they're pretty simple. Have you been abiding in him lately? What fruit are you producing? If you're angry and if you're impatient, it's probably because that's what's going on inside. It's probably because that's what you're connecting to. How do you stay abiding in him? What are the habits that you've cultivated? What are the ways that you stay connected? The last one is what stops you from abiding in him? I say this all the time, but for me, it's, it's things like electronic entertainment that just consume all my time. They just don't leave me with space or energy or mental capacity to actually slow down and reflect and think about what really matters. I was hoping to have a little bit of time at the end of the service to grab a few people up to um, have them share about how they um, connect to the vine. And I probably should with my voice being croaky like this, but <coughs> I'll just share a little bit about um, some practical ideas for you guys to um, maybe pick and actually take into your weeks. The first one is this, fasting. When was the last time that you fasted? When was the last time that you gave up something good for something so much better? Maybe this is food, the classic fast. Maybe it's giving up TV. Maybe it's not using Facebook. Instead, using your time to connect with God. There's so many people here that I'm sure have done it recently, but I'm just going to give a shout out to my wife. She gave up Instagram. I don't know how hard it was. Have a chat to her about it. To pursue something better, give up something good. Do you have a regular habit of reading the Bible? Matthew 4.4 says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. How are you eating the word of God? I know that Guy and Wendy Collishaw, this is just my example for the morning service, they're not here unfortunately, use like a Bible reading plan that they kind of share between each other and encourage each other and it keeps them engaged and they can do all different topics and whatever it is. I know I've listened to audio Bibles before, but in this day and age, there's so many different ways that you can read the Word of God. What does your prayer life look like? Jesus gives us a really good example of this. He withdraws from people for times of prayer. When was the last time that you withdrew into a place of, sorry, withdrew into a desolate place to pray? Just to be alone with God. For me, I walked around, last week we walked around Lake Parramatta and I couldn't help but just be amazed by the beauty of God. It's places like that that we can withdraw to and just sit. Just be alone with God. Not have to say anything, but just to enjoy silence with Him. Larry asked me the other day why I, why I thought the psalmist wrote the psalms. What was it about actually putting his thoughts to paper? And I think that there's something incredibly reflective about having to think things through and put them into a song or, or poetry or journaling or preaching or blogging or whatever it is. And I wish I was creative, but a lot of people are much more creative than me. I'm sure you guys know who they are. Go have a chat to them. Ask them about it. 
For me, it's often journaling or blogging, and I know that Sam Castellan over here loves reflective journaling. Chat to her. Ask her how she does it. I'm learning that, I'm learning that traditions and rituals are actually beautiful things. For so long, I've kind of grown up with this, like, with these cold, dead things that we kind of just do every week because we do them every week. But when we actually slow down to realize that they're reflective tools helping us to reconnect to the source of life. Communion is designed to help you remember that you have been born again. That there is a miracle there that you have been raised from death to life. There's actually beautiful things in this. And I just want to be clear, I'm almost done, that these practices aren't just the way that we connect with God and then disconnect with Him later. These are all ways that we invite Him into our life to actually take Him with us to work. Take Him into our day-to-day. And just to wrap up, I love when a sermon gives me like a practical challenge at the end. Something that I can, okay, grab a hold of and do. So these two final things, and I'm sure you've seen them coming. Find someone after this service tonight and ask them, how is it that you connect with God? I've given you some examples, but go go chat to someone. And the other one is to try out one of these above ideas. Maybe it's something you haven't done for a long time, or maybe it's something that you've never done before. You might have noticed that we've done this sermon a little bit earlier in the service than normal, and we did this to remind us what reflection looks like. We're going to go into a time of prayer next, and I want us to, to reflect together and actually realize the miracle, found, the miraculous foundation of being raised from death to life, that we can be connected through prayer, through communion. Because if you're not experiencing spiritual vitality, I, I have to say that I think it's because you've either never been plugged in. You've never experienced the miracle of new birth or you've stopped intentionally connecting to the vine. Because the miracle of new birth is open to you. Whoever believes. Jesus wants you to be full of joy connected to the vine. Let's pray together, church. Father in heaven, thank you that we have the privilege of gathering here, of lifting our voices to you in reflection on your truth, in song and in prayer. Thank you, Father, that we aren't the only ones, that there are so many others doing this here in Epping, across Sydney, Australia, and throughout the world at different times and in different languages. Thank you that we do hear the stories of our brothers and sisters across the world through the work of organisations such as Open Doors and for the privilege of joining with them in events like last week's Walk to Water and involving ourselves in their lives like that. Thank you that you listen to all your people and that as we sing your praises and speak to you, you hear us together and you hear us individually. May it be a sweet sound in your ear. 
Lord Jesus, we ask for your kingdom to come, for your will to be done. Where we see earthly leaders plotting against your people and hurting them, we especially ask that your reigning power would be seen here as it is in heaven. Where we see natural and human disasters across the world with hurricanes and transport accidents, and here in Australia with this confusing display of sinfulness that we see in the strawberry situation, Lord Jesus, come quickly and help us to look forward to that day. Today, as we gather to hear your word, uh, thank you that you nourish us spiritually. Thank you that you give us um, truth to chew on. Please take our attention with your truth and hold it. Help us to hold on to it. Likewise, for River Gum Community Church, thank you that Larry can support them at this time and that you look after your people. Please give them your daily bread. Help us all, Lord, to stop and remember, to connect daily with you, to abide in you, that we may bear good fruit. Father, please forgive us for those things we've allowed to dwell in our hearts instead of you, for hurt, bitterness, jealousy, frustration, anger, lust, whatever it is. Um, We take a moment to look at our hearts and to bring them before you. Lord, help us to be centred on you that we may look to um, others more than ourselves. Please help us to look for relational reconciliation with our brothers and sisters as you gave it to us in Jesus. Give us the grace to forgive as you so gracefully do so that we can honestly ask you to forgive us as we forgive others. Lead us, Lord, as a church and as individuals in the best way to love those around us and not into temptation. Lead us to ask hard questions like, are you okay and how can I pray? Teach us to care for those in our community in all states of physical and mental health, in all relationship statuses, in all kinds of work, family and life situations. Please heal our sinful state so that we can unselfishly love and care for those around us. Deliver us from the evil one's distractions that we can be a safe space. Thank you for the recent events which have helped us to do so, for the women's breakfast, for the Are You OK Sunday, the Walk to Water, for the Single-Minded Conference. Help us to keep at the relationships that you've put in our lives. Thank you for the upcoming events, for the men's camp, the movie nights, for the weddings, Lord. Likewise, help us to use them to engage well with our community. Finally, Lord, thank you for your perfect timing for the provision of a visa for Alison Roth. For John Richardson, uh, help him to do your will and your work. And likewise, Annette and Lois, give their teams unity and teach them to work well towards that end, that your name might be proclaimed. And we thank you, Lord, for the for the recovery of those that have had surgery recently, um, that we get to fellowship with them again. To you be the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the next bracket of songs, um, we're going to actually start with a new one. Um, 
And I think I'm going to give you the opportunity to yeah, spend time to reflect um, and ponder on what Ben's message was. And uh, we intentionally did this to, to give you this space. Um, and uh, it's a brilliant new song that speaks of, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. And that speaks straight out of that John 15 passage there that um, if we are connected into the vine that we will experience that true love, that true joy and um, I know it's easy for sometimes for us to get into the habit of religiosity and sometimes fall out of love with who Jesus is and sometimes that's really sad um, I know for me I can get too caught up in just being a Christian and not following Jesus um, so in this moment, in this time, as we ponder and as we build and rebuild our life upon that love, um, just take that moment and do some business with God. But if you want to sing, well, I mean, sing with me. of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus, the name above every other Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Oh, we live for you Jesus Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Holy, there is no one like. 
Sing it out. 
Please be seated. So in the theme of last week's Are You Okay Day and the importance of having sound mental health, tonight for communion I wanted to share with some of the struggles that I've had in my own headspace. So if it's okay, I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable. Is that all right? Cool. So a couple of years ago I started a business with a friend. We quit our jobs, took our savings took some personal loans, and then we were off. Had this dream of financial freedom, being my own boss, and doing what I was passionate with, and living out the rest of my life doing exactly that. And like most businesses, we were hit with some very early hardships. My business partner, who was my friend, rarely saw eye to eye with me when it came to business decisions, and both of us were trying to figure out how to really navigate that space. It was perpetually two steps forward and then one and a half steps back. So a couple of months in, I started having trouble sleeping. Not that we were sleeping very much anyway, but every time I would try and shut my eyes, I'd get a lot of anxiety. Um, Like, if I relaxed, something bad would happen. And then after that, the anxiety followed me everywhere. So waking up on the way to work, I would feel anxious, like something was going to happen if I didn't focus intensely. And one night, maybe about a year into this, um, we were losing more money than we were making. I, um, On the way home, I, I just started crying on the train for no apparent reason. I was just sitting there on the train and just started crying. And... Um, I felt incredibly vulnerable after that and incredibly raw. Like, every time I thought about something work-related to do with my business, I wanted to cry, I wanted to get emotional. And I remember for the first time in my Christian life, 
when we were doing worship, I would cry. I never really did that. And there were times where I wake up in the morning just wanting to cry as well. And as time went on, if I wasn't upset, I was anxious. And if I wasn't upset, then I was frustrated. So my family has a history of anger management issues, and I wasn't immune to that. And while I thought I made some headway after being saved and becoming a Christian, being in this environment really undid a lot of that. The the high pressure meant that if you were in my vicinity, um, at best, you'd see snarky and rude Peter, and at worst, you'd probably get yelled and abused at. So this went on for about three years. Um, the runway was getting smaller and smaller, and my mental condition looked like the size of my bank account. And I began having episodic breakdowns and having persistent thoughts of suicide. In my mind, I justified it as do or die, as in like I had to get this through or there was no other way. And I admit now that I could have asked for help. I could have asked for someone to help me through my thought process. I could have gotten and seek counseling and I could have done all of that, but I didn't. I didn't because I expected myself to solve this like Another problem that I had to solve at work, I put too much pressure on myself to be this 20-something-year-old who needed to provide for himself, who needed to prove that he was his own boss, and who needed to prove that he was still passionate and willing to hustle no matter what it took. And I created these unreasonable um, expectations, and these expectations were destroying me. In the Bible, when we hear of John the Baptist, he says, he tells, the first thing he tells the world is who he's not. We see it in John chapter 1, verses 19. It says, when the Jewish leaders sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was, he confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. Then they asked him, are you Elijah? He said, no. Are you the prophet? He answered, no again. So earlier, I'm telling you who I wanted to be, but John the Baptist, the one that Jesus says that there is no greater man born from a woman, tells that he tells us who he isn't. Back to the Bible, when they finally asked him, who are you? Give us an answer. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, and he said, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. So a bit of context, this guy is the guy that Christian scholars believed was the forerunner, the person coming to tell everybody about Jesus' impending arrival. And some scholars believe that this John knew this from a very, very early age. And if that was the case, this is a ridiculously um, important responsibility And he did this so well because John the Baptist knew who he was because he knew who he wasn't. Back to the Bible, in verse 26 it says, But among you stands one you do not know. He's the one that comes after me. This is John speaking. Whose straps of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. Whose straps of whose sandals... I'm not worthy to untie. So ultimately, 
John the Baptist knew the character of Jesus, he knew that no expectation that he had of himself could begin to compare to what Jesus could do. And as we come to a time of communion, we need to understand this. And and Ben was just so eloquent in the way that he was doing his sermon. It was just captured it all. But Jesus is our sole provider. He is the source of life. He's the tree that we are the vines in, and he is the source of our strength and our provision and our solution. What I did was create this expectation in my mind that I was supposed to solve my own problems, that I was supposed to be my own Messiah, but I'm not, and I realize that now. I'm not my own Messiah, and at best, I'm the one whose straps and his sandals I'm not worthy to untie. So like Ben said, what's the source of your life? Do the things you own, the titles you have, the achievements that you desire, will they end up messing with your mental health? Will they lead to your death on the inside? It may not be on the outside like me. On the outside, I didn't show it to anybody. I was perfectly fine. No one would know. But on the inside, I was dying worse. But I found that source of life. And it gave me freedom from death. And this freedom isn't a one-off freedom. You don't go there and do uh, communion and and you're okay again. It's an ongoing war in here. And today I still have these expectations pop up. And that's the devil speaking. But I'm so glad I have a moment of time in communion to reflect who my source is and where life truly comes from. Please pray with me. Lord, we surrender all that we think we are. As we come to you, we want to profess to you that we are not what we're not. Let this be a time where we can meditate on what on what you are. Jesus, you are the Almighty One, the bread of life, the deliverer. You are so much more than we could ever be ourselves. Lord, I pray for those who are suffering from lapses of mental health that may not be birthed out of consequence, but is malignant and present. For these brothers and sisters, I pray your peace upon them, that they can draw your hope, your peace, your steadfast love, and understand that they are a branch connected to your tree. Pray that we continue to be a church that recognizes mental health issues and is proactive with asking, are you okay? Lord, I pray that we find our source in you no matter what we're going through. Amen.